Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, we're in the New Testament in the book of John. If you're in a place to grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. See, I think a lot of Christianity, we get hung up because we get ourselves caught up in a manufacturing industry as believers, and that's not our job. That's not our role. God never called you and I to be a part of manufacturing as far as Christianity goes or our service unto him. God is the one that spoke the world into being. He can manufacture all by himself. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need, but he chooses, okay, we're part of the kingdom. Dad's got an awesome business. It's kingdom building. He's a builder. So we get to partner. God has caused us to partner with him. He desires for us to partner with him. He wants every one of us. If you claim to be a Christian today, as a follower of Jesus Christ, God's called you and me, every one of us, to partner with him in this business of kingdom building. Again, though, we're not the manufacturer of any product. We're just to be a part of distribution. We get, in, get allowed to be distributors of this that he has produced. He has given us the ability to have everlasting life because of this perfect gift. Now, you and I may look and say, well, I don't know that many people. I work in this little cubicle. I don't interact with a lot of people. I talk on the phone. I don't see people face to face. Whatever your situation might be, I'm just a, a mom at home with my kids. I work in this situation, that situation. I, I understand all the things that we can say, but the Lord would speak to our hearts and say, hey, that's, that's not the thing. What are these among so many is our thought, but God says, man, I can do it. If we look just for a moment at just Andrew's life as he continued to bring people, and now Philip goes and gets Andrew. Andrew and Philip tell Jesus about these people that want to see him. And want to interact with him. You know, I find what Mark's account of this. Well, let me read this through this last portion. And then we'll get into that in just a second, okay? Let's carry on with this. And Jesus answered them saying, after now we see this habitual tendency of, uh, of Andrew to just bring people to Jesus. He just connects people with Jesus. I, I love it even in the midst of a little bit of doubt. Will you, will you track with me on this for a second? Even in the midst of just a, little, a hint of some doubt. You know, I, I met this kid. You know, he doesn't have, there's, we got a few low. I mean, what is this going to do amongst so? In the midst of his doubt, he still follows through and brings it up and takes it to Jesus. I, that's commendable. Brothers and sisters, that's commendable. A lot of times we stop right there. We, in our minds, stop before we follow through with the communication with the Lord. And we stop short of the situation. We just say, ah, you know. I'm just one person. I don't know. Just, you know. We're going to talk about that before we close out today, but let's finish this portion. And Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now you've got to understand, these guys don't get this big picture yet. They're wanting to know who's going to sit at his right hand and his left, who's going to help rule and reign in this new kingdom that he's going to establish to, to f- fend off all these 
foes and the enemies of, of what they think should be going on. They want to get rid of the Roman government and Roman rule. They want to establish their own government and their own rule. That's everybody's mindset, including the disciples. That's not what Jesus is talking about. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So you leave the little seed, right? This is agricultural 101 stuff, you know, they, this is just business as usual to an agricultural society. It's just normal. It's like going to the gas pump and gas in your car. I mean, it's just stuff that we, to them, that's normal to us. This is absolutely normal to them, an illustration about, about a, a grain of, of seed. That little tiny grain left to itself, just left to itself in the bag of seed, is just going to be a one grain of sand, a grain of, of, of seed. That's all it's going to be. Just one little, that's all it'll ever be. But if, in fact, it is planted, and if, in fact, it germinates, it grows up and produces a stock, doesn't it? Heads of grain off of the one. It produces fruit. A concept that we'll talk about, not this morning, but much later uh, in our studies. And as we hit chapter 15, we'll talk about that quite a bit. Most assuredly, I say to you in verse 24 again, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. It's by itself. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Loves less. Loves less. That the priority is, the priority again is, that he who loves his life in, in, will lose it. He who sets everything, it's I, me, me, mine, you know. Look at all of the magazines today. Everything is focused on you are for sure your own best buddy. You are commander of your own destiny. You can figure everything out, what's best for you, all by yourself. You know, you go and you sit down and you talk to the psychologist and you tell them what your problems, the psychiatrist, you tell them what all your problems are. And then they just ask you, well, what do you think? And so you tell them what you think. And they say, well, how do you really feel about it? And you tell them how you feel about it. It's just all about you. But see, this is not what's said here. That's not what Jesus says. And you know what gets me? It's so funny how offended people get about this kind of stuff. He's so offended by it. But this is Jesus speaking. He's the king of the kingdom of which we are part of. This is what he says. This is how he says it works. If you love your own life more than your relationship with him, if you don't want a relationship with him and you just want to live for you, you end up losing your life. But if you love this life less, this own personal life less, then you end up having everlasting life when you follow Jesus Christ. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, my Father will honor him. Again, that focus of being connected with Jesus Christ and serving him. Let him follow me. That simple statement that is so wonderful about follow me. You know, Jesus in Mark's account, chapter 1, when Jesus calls to the disciples, in verse 16, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. 
This is what they did. They were just, they were simple folk. They were fishermen. Jesus saw them. He saw what they did. They were fishermen. Regular, everyday people. And Jesus said to them, follow me. It's interesting. They would recognize that Jesus was a a rabbi, a, a, a teacher. They would recognize that about him. They would see by his garment, they would see, they would, they would know that by looking at Jesus that that's what he did. And, and you see, the rabbis chose the students. So you didn't send in your resume. The teacher, culturally, chose the students that he wanted. I love Jesus. I love his way of going about picking He picks Matthew, the tax collector, as somebody everybody else hates. Really a scummy guy as far as the world's perception of it was, socially. This guy was just a bad dude. He didn't want to get involved with him. He's an extortionist, and it's just going to go bad. You, Jesus said, come, follow me. I want you to be one of my followers, one of my disciples. I want you to learn from me. Oh, I love Jesus' choice. You know that Jesus called out and chose you. Think about that. The Bible says you didn't choose me, but I chose you. That Jesus called out and chose you. Right where you are, right who you were. And you know what? Some of us were pretty messed up. Some of us are still a little messed up. But the reality is, is God, in the person of Jesus Christ, called out to you said, follow me. Now, I love the fact that Jesus keeps it simple. When he calls out to you and me, he says, follow me. It's not a bunch of other detailed stuff. That goes better for me. All I have to do is follow. But it does take an element of abandonment, doesn't it? I have to abandon whatever I'm doing to follow him. I have to let him now be my priority, and I have to think, wow, man, he he asked me, to. the rabbi asked me to follow him to be one of his students. See, we lose that in in our translation. We lose that that's the culture. That's what really happened. The master chose you. We should be so excited. And you're saying, well, I'm not sure. I'm not a Christian, so I I don't really know that, you know, I've been chosen. He didn't call out to me. Do you hear him calling to your, your heart right now? All you have to do is say yes and follow him. That's the simple truth of this. Follow me in verse 17. He says, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, this is an interesting concept that we got to talk about just for a moment as we close out this morning. This idea here. They were fishermen. Common practice, throw out your nets, gather in fish, get the fish out of the nets, throw out your nets. <laughs> it's just a common practice. You fix your nets, you take care of your stuff, you get out in the water in your boat, you do this every day. It's just the same thing. Regular stuff. And Jesus took what they identified with and he said, Follow me. Simple statement. And I will make you become fishers of men. Our role is to follow him. If you've heard the voice of the Lord ever in your heart and you've responded to God and you've chosen to follow him, which is probably by and large most of us in our gathering, and you've chosen to follow the Lord, And as you follow the Lord, you need to understand that he wants to make you become a fisher of men. Fisher of people. People's hearts 
for the Lord. This next three-year journey that they spend now with Jesus is the training seminar to learn about what it was that he just said. I will make you. God will make you. God will design. God will cause you and circumstances and situations and inside of you, God will make you become that. It's not something you have to strive to do. This is an important concept. It is not something you have to strive to do. What's your, what's your response? He says, follow me. So we just have to follow him. That's our, uh, just follow him. And then in following him, he will make you become what you're supposed to be, fishers of men. The danger is, is that as we choose to follow the Lord, we get distracted with all the things of this life. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. Entering in, and it chokes the word, Jesus is the living word. It chokes the life of Jesus out of you, and we just don't really become very fruitful, the Bible says. Mark chapter 4. And so you see this, this, this fact of, man, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things. Isn't that everything that pushes in on our lives today? That, that gets in there, and it kind of chokes the life of God out of us, and, and we're really not aspiring to be the followers sometimes, that, that really God just called us to simply follow him and trust him. Now, in this, we're going to wrap this up real quick, but there's a couple of concepts we've got to grasp. We know the Great Commission out of chapter 28, Matthew's account, and we see the Great Commission there. And as we see the Great Commission, and this, is, this isn't just for them, this is for believers. This is for people who are followers of Jesus Christ. He tells them to go out into all the world and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go out into all the world. Now, again, we've talked about this before, the known world. Man, these guys haven't left their own region before. I guarantee you their eyes are the size of saucers. Well, one, they're talking with the resurrected Lord. I would be a permanent saucer eye just from that alone. He's just looking, man, this is crazy. We've been hanging out with Jesus for the last several weeks, and just, this is just radical. This is a wild truth. Do you believe it? Do you believe that these guys were hanging out with Jesus, and Jesus said, hey, go out into all the world. Now, he's talking to them, but he's talking to all those who are his disciples, those whom he's called to follow him. That's us. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. In other words, all, all we're supposed to do is, is go out in the name of the Lord. All power, he said, all power and authority has been given to me. You know, you, you're not left on your own. And ultimately says, hey, now, now go wait in Jerusalem until you've been endued with power from on high, until you have been given the Holy Spirit. Until the Holy Spirit has come upon you, just wait there in Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What was the purpose of the giving of the Holy Spirit then? In Acts 1, 8, that you and I might be empowered to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, that we might be witnesses of the person of Jesus Christ. All the dots start connecting right here. You see, we're not going out under our own power and authority, and we're not trying to make ourselves fishers of men. We are that because of what God is doing in and through us. I will make you become that. That God does that through you, through me. We don't have to strive at that. We don't have to try and make everything happen. 
But how does this happen? I dare say, if we come full circle with this, all of this comes together when we looked at Andrew's life. What did he do? He brought people to Jesus. He just habitually brought people along with him to Jesus. You see, you and I have a sphere of influence. Every one of us have friends and family and different people we connect with, and we have an opportunity to bring them along where we're going and what we're doing. I love some of the functions that, that God causes us to do. You know, the, the, the women's tea party. It's interesting. They have over 100 gals that, that, that come to these kind of events when they do them. And yet, in, in reality, there's not even 50% of them attend this congregation. That's interesting to me. That's being Andrews, you see? Or Andrinas, I, I'm not sure. But anyway, you get the concept, right? Uh, but you get the idea. I was listening to an interesting fellow, that, and he came and spoke here not that long ago, Tong. And I saw him this last week when we were up in Indiana because he runs all of KP's, uh, Johannan's uh, radio ministry stuff. And so I was talking with him, and he's, we were talking about, you know, some of the things that KP's, you know, kind of talking about right now. And, and he's saying, yeah, you know, and I've, I've, I know KP. I've interacted with him quite a bit. And one of the things, he, he's habitual about this statement. He goes, you know, what will you do? And he basically said this at, at the uh, NRB conference, which is the National Religious Broadcasters Conference in Nashville, when he spoke to all these different people who have uh, spheres of influence, to say the least. And he told them, he said, you know, what will we do, sirs, ladies and gentlemen, what will we do when we stand before the Lord? Because surely each one of us will stand before the Lord. You won't stand in front of the white throne judgment as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ. But you and I stand before the Bema seat. And the Bema seat is a different judgment seat. It's not a judgment of whether you get everlasting life or not. It is where our Lord and Savior, the King of the kingdom in which we are a part of, asks us, what did you do with all that was entrusted to you? What did you do with that? Whatever opportunity Whatever sphere of influence that you've been given, what did you do with that? And wouldn't it be great to say, man, I exhausted every last resource I had. I did everything I could to communicate and to connect people with you, Jesus. See, there's a lot of things we can do with our opportunities and our circumstances. There's a lot we can do. We can point to ourselves. We can say, well, you know, as we've been believers a while, we can start starting thinking, yeah, you know, I really had good willpower, and that's how I stopped, you know, drug use and alcohol, and I stopped this and I stopped that. And, you know, that's, I, it was really, you know, I, I, was, I was just able to, you know, overcome these things and this and that. Well, I can tell you for a fact that's not true of me. If not for Jesus Christ, period, I would be a complete disaster and my life would have been ruined. I had no victory over anything. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and because of following Jesus Christ, after he said, come follow me, and just deciding to, yes, you know what, I'm going to go. And you've got to know inside your heart, though none may go with you, still you're going to follow him 
It's that song, man. It's that thing that rings around our ears. Our society is being lulled to sleep. Christianity is being lulled to sleep. Brothers and sisters, may it not be so. May it not be named among us. May we look to the Lord and follow him and let him cause us to become fishers of men. Bring people with you to services. If you've got spare seats in your car, fill them up. Bring people with you to hear the word of the Lord. Let God be glorified. Don't you want to be able to stand in front of the Lord? I think Andrew stood in front of the Lord always, just like, I am who I am, I am what I am, you know? But I don't think he was ashamed. Paul the Apostle wasn't ashamed. I don't ever want to be ashamed. I want to be able to stand in front of the Lord. I want you to be able to stand in front of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, it's a choice, isn't it? It's a choice. What did you do with what was entrusted to you? Whatever that is, what did you do with it? Did you use it for the glory of God? Isn't that a great concept, great thought, great opportunity? Father, we just want to be like Andrew. We want to be people who choose to be used by you, Lord. We want to follow the Great Commission, but not in our own ability, not under our own power. We just want to simply choose you each and every day. And Lord, we ask that your Spirit would come upon us, that you would empower us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Lord, we know that as your voice cries out to us and to our world that surrounds us, may we make your name known, the name of Jesus, the name which is above every name, knowing that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Now has an everlasting impact if people would confess now. Later's too late. Once we lose this physical life, it's, it's over. And so, Lord, we know that our work is cut out for us the work that you've set in front of us to proclaim your name, proclaim your goodness. Lord, we want to live for you. We want to choose you each and every day. I pray, Father, for boldness for my brothers and sisters, for myself, that we would be encouraged, that we'd be strengthened. Lord, you would empower us to do just that. Thank you for the work you're doing in our midst right now. We thank you that we can know you. That you're not some distant God that's afar off. That you're right here in our hearts. Lord, we do ask that you would be glorified and magnified. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening to the message today. You know, I was thinking about Jesus being that good shepherd. And he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. You know, we just kind of think of that as a door that on hinges that opens and shuts. But really, at that time period, the shepherd was the door himself. He would lay across the opening. And the sheep would have to kind of cross over him and get through him to get in and out of the sheepfold. And he said, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal 
and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. You know, Jesus was never just a hireling for you or for me. Jesus loves you with a perfect love. He gave his life for you on the cross. He wants to give you life abundant, as spoken of in the scripture here. He is the access into everlasting life. Maybe you've been distant from the Lord. You tuned in and you've, you've gone to church before. You've opened your life at one point, but now you're just living out in the world and, and away from God, and you're feeling the, the hurt and the shame and the conviction of the sin. Well, Jesus wants to forgive you again in a fresh new way. He wants you to get started on that journey again. And, and maybe you're hearing this simple gospel message for the first time, and you want to give your life to Jesus. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you, and God wants to give you a chance. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I want to invite you into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. I want to thank you for the free gift of everlasting life that you've given me now. And I thank you, Lord, for all your goodness, all your grace. And I just ask, Lord, that you would flood my heart with your Holy Spirit now, that my life might bring you honor and glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you can be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Jesus,